We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blenderhead, a.k.a. Blender HD, a.k.a. hopefully on top of you uh, on Sunday's uh, GPP leaderboards. Join with me, uh, as usual, the man behind the model. It's uh, Stuart Gibson, as well as we get a special appearance. It was on the first show. The man that maybe is more often on top of me on the GPP leaderboards. It's Brandon Adams. So, Brandon, uh, we haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. Uh, how's your NFL season going? It's going pretty well. Um, I am showing a profit, which is always good. I, I have, uh, I've been running good in showdown. I know part of my showdown process, by the way, is to listen to your, your showdown run, run rundowns. Um, it's, so basically, basically uh, you're playing all the garbage players and hopefully and no correlation and just hoping to be unique and a garbage lineup wins. Yeah, I've been running. I've been running really good in showdown. I had one. It was a $470 qualifier for the championships and I ran one lineup and got there on Thursday. That was pretty exciting. But uh, th- this past Sunday, uh, did you... Did you uh, go against uh, the ASA show? We talk, typically talk about the high total games. You love the high total games. The lowest total game last week was the highest total game. And even if you stacked it, you probably still lost because you needed to play Chase Claypool and Travis Fulgham. Uh, they weren't in my player pool. Uh, I'm going to kind of assume when they're sub 1% owned that you didn't have them either. I didn't have them. It is amazing, though, in the Millionaire Maker with a quarter million lineups, someone just always has the nuts. It's so funny. Like you scroll through and someone just has it. It doesn't matter what it is. Someone has got like the perfect clay pool lineup. Well, so isn't, isn't that a similar concept in, uh, in poker, uh, implicit collusion, similar to, you know, if you're playing a hand with and everyone's in it, Right. If everyone calls your raise and you know, most likely one pair is not going to win some garbage hand out of the out of your nine opponents at a 10 handed table is going to show up with something better than aces. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's amazing. People will go deep, deep in the depth chart and, and show up with all the other spots. It's 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 astonishing. 
Uh, so, Stuart, uh, last week, uh, we, we were accurate last week, even though, you know, obviously the lowest total game being the highest total, the highest total one, but the highest scoring team was the predicted highest scoring team to Chiefs, even though they they weren't the chalk on the slate. They were like the third highest owned team. They were the one that I was the most exposed to. But uh, the, the people that went with the, the Dallas Giants game, like they didn't get there, obviously, with Dak's injury. So that that ruined you in the quarterback slot. And uh, and, and the Texans, although, yeah, I mean, they, they did well. I mean, Watson and Cooks, but Fuller didn't get there and the run back didn't get there. So uh, it, it shows, Stuart, that, that still targeting the high probability teams uh, can be profitable even if they're going to be owned, but just not at the extent in which they really should be. Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you think that that under ownership is a function of just people's price sensitivity? Cause I mean, naturally like the higher probability games are going to be more expensive or is it this kind of, I don't know, trying to over project um, the field's gravitation toward that game. Like, you know, if everyone is like, Oh, well, I couldn't possibly own, you know, the best team because they're the best team and everyone is going to own them. You know, does that like fear of, you know, being, I guess, on like the highest perceived highest total team actually gravitate people away? Uh, Because I mean, it's actually something we've seen a good bit this year. I mean, I feel like when, you know, Russ in Seattle popped off or, you know, Dallas, um, I think the second round popped off, like, you know, they were, they, they, they could be fairly easily projected, not easily, but it was reasonable to project them as like just the, the, you know, highest scoring game yet. They weren't like as chalky as you might've expected. Um, you know, I wonder if that's going to be a trend uh, continuing forward this year, or if there will be some, uh, I guess, ownership correction towards these high total teams. I mean, yeah, as Kansas city, I, I played a, a decent, a bit of like, Lamar and pass catchers and that was like the second highest total game or we had projected second highest most likely to top the slate also like a super low owned stack and I know Lamar is expensive and Andrews and Brown are expensive but um, I mean these these teams are are priced up because they have a good chance of you know breaking the slate and uh, yeah it's a little surprising last week to see such low ownership on two teams that two stacks that you know, I think pretty clearly projected ahead of some of these lesser stacks. Um, I don't really think we have that case this week. There's just no clear front running team. Um, but, uh, you know, just could be something to pay attention to moving. But, but, but I really think it's price sensitivity and yeah. it's at the running back position. It's something that Brandon, you brought up on, on the, on the first episode, the first week where, you know, you said that you were attacking uh, cheaper running backs that, People are still in the in the mindset that I got to jam in three great running backs, and then if you're jamming in Zeke at 7,800, and you're jamming in a Dalvin Cook type of player, Derrick Henry, these 7K plus running backs, like your stack can't be a cheap stack. Your your stack can't be an expensive Cowboy stack. And I think people are, from an ownership perspective, prioritizing the expensive running backs and, and disregarding expensive stacks because then it, it makes you, you know, have to play Antonio Gibson or, or David Montgomery. Maybe he'll be chalked this week, but,
but in the past, like guys that legitimately have 20 plus point ceilings, less probable, but it does, it doesn't give you that, uh, you know, comfortable feeling of jamming in, you know, guys like the McCaffrey's and the Barkley's and those expensive running backs that you feel like, you know, if they get, I could get 25 points with these guys. The the problem is that an 8k plus 25 points probably just still doesn't win you a GBP. You kind of need 40 point ceilings out of those players, which you're more likely to get from the wide receivers. Would you, would you agree with that, Brandon? Yeah. Well, finally some vindication after being wrong for, (laughs) for a couple of seasons, very strongly. Um, yeah, like I think that's the way the roster construction should go in big field GPP is towards towards the wide receivers, um, and we're we're getting that now because um, we've se- we've I've seen the pa- we've literally seen the past like every week like past five weeks the winning Millie lineup or the winning slant lineup doesn't have the chalk running backs like you see the lineup construction and go oh they got enough points at running back. And they got all the ceiling wide receivers. And even though the chalk running backs may not may have done okay, they weren't the they weren't the linchpin of a winning GPP lineup. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I've always said that it's a bad roster construction mistake in big field tournaments to have the three pay up running backs. If you look at a long swath of data over seven seven eight years, it's not. It's not a good construction, but people got in the habit of it because it was fairly strong for a couple seasons. In terms of ownership and people possibly making a mistake by not playing um, the chalkier games, I think you have to be exacting about what is the contest. If the contest for NFL have become so top heavy that it I think it's fine to have the ownership spread. We can't say it's a mistake just because you're getting such incredible implied odds um, on first. It's even though it seems like the high total games are hitting week after week, it's it's, I, I think we could say people are making a mistake if say it's a flat payout structure, but if it's, if it's, the very steep payout structure that you might have in like a millionaire maker, we can't necessarily say they're making a mistake by avoiding these, these chalk games, but, but, but it's not, I mean, we have, this is an NFL season where it like, like currently on this slate, I mean, we have an 11 game slate coming up five out of the 11 games have 50 plus point totals. I mean, like we had a slate uh, two weeks ago where more than half the games are high totals, we we've been used to seeing where two two games have 50 plus totals and the rest are hovering somewhere around 45 4 46 range and then it's like okay those are the two games to target now it seems like like the ownership sometimes could end up being condensed over like a, we will see uh on this slate where the Falcons Vikings game assuming that it plays i know they had one covid positive from a uh, an assistant coach it's still it looks like there's there's it's still on so we're going to just treat it like it's still playing. Like that's going to be a game that people target. Yet, you know, you have four of the choices of 50 plus point total games. So like if you see the ownership tip too much towards one of them, 
Like you, you have way, way more options as opposed to previous seasons where it's like, well, these are the two games people are targeting. If you're going to get off the board over there, you're significantly not being optimal by going to a game that has, you know, a total with the six points lower, which obviously there's a probability that that happens. But I think it's more of a byproduct that we have a lot more high total games now that quote ownership in general, if it's spread out, doesn't matter as nearly as much, but we still see groupthink. I mean, we see groupthink every every week where even if there's five high total games, like one just happens to be the chalk. Well, let's let's jump right into it. So do we start with the highest total game or we start with the no, I'm going to start with the chalkiest game because technically it's not the highest total game. Okay. It opened as the highest total. So Falcons-Vikings, 56 and a half. It opened. It's now been bet down to 54 and a half. Uh, Dalvin Cook is not practicing today. Uh, it's expected he's going to be out. They have a buy, so it's most likely they'll they'll rest him. Uh, Alexander Madison has been priced up on DK to seventy two hundred, but he still figures to be one of the chalkiest uh, running backs on the slate because the Vikings run the ball so much. And who else is behind him? Uh, it's essentially you're 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 get, you're getting Dalvin Cook at seventy two hundred. Uh, Thielen is going to be double digit owned. Uh, the only thing that I see in this game is that that the Falcons side of the ball. I mean Ridley will generate ownership at, but he's expensive at 7800. Uh do you see a path to stacking this cuz if you stack those guys like this is expensive as hell and like for, at least for my style of play expensive as hell and chalky is not the greatest of combinations that you know cuz it, it's it's leading myself to uh, a very similar lineup construction where I don't think Cousins will be as owned as he should be in this game. And I think Ryan, I think the Falcon side may not. And I think people don't want to play those guys because, you know, they're not rushing type quarterbacks. And and truthfully, they have a reputation of not being all that great. But, uh, you know, with this with this game in in the Dome with a 54 and a half total, I mean, it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't put it past either of them to both have 300-yard games. So Stuart, what 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 do you what do you see as far as the the top stack type of probability as well as you know we we always talk about stack price like I'm 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 a fan of the game I'm just I'm not necessarily a fan of the like the three plus one type of price on it yeah so we do have Minnesota as the most likely team to top the slate in terms of points scored at about ten percent that is coming in pretty low, like relative to previous weeks. I mean, we had the Chiefs most likely team to top the slate at 17%. So, you know, while you are getting kind of the top game, um, it's still like is not quite as much of a front runner as some of the game, uh, some of the teams we've seen in the past. And yeah, I mean, I think that note on price of the Minnesota side is a little concerning. I mean, so, you know, I, I, I'm looking at just the cost of like Cousins, Jefferson, Thielen, which, you know, I don't think would really make that much sense, even independent of price, like Thielen and Jefferson haven't correlated well. So um, I know it's been a small sample, but, um, you know, so far there's been pretty strong negative correlation there. Um, But yeah, I mean, it just seems like there's kind of cheaper uh, stacks that can be acquired that have comparable probability to Minnesota. You know, Detroit is 
uh, 1.1% less likely to top the slate, but are, you know, significantly cheaper than Minnesota dropping down to teams like Miami or Tennessee, which are about three percentage points, uh, you know, less likely to top the slate, but still just like have cumulative price that is way lower than uh, Minnesota. I, I think to me at first glance, that seems to be the direction to go. Um, it's as far as like a, a top, you know, team on the slate, it, there's just some really unintriguing properties about the Minnesota side, you know, price, poor correlation, uh, and just like lack of distance from, you know, teams that are trailing them uh, in terms of, you know, projected total. Um, How about the other side of the game? Cause I think like if Madison's going to be chalky, like you, you could still play him, but how about, cause I don't, I don't, I don't see the ownership. I mean, I'm taking a look right now at our, I mean, this is initial projected ownership for a Thursday mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and Ridley is coming in at 10%. And, uh, and we got gauge there. Like if Julio doesn't play, we still have our good friend, uh, Olamide Zacchaeus. He's only been priced up 200 bucks. Uh, everyone played him last week. It seemed like the Vikings uh, a pass defense is worse. So like, it's a cheap piece of a stack. Like why can't I play Ryan Ridley Zacchaeus and get the Falcon side of the ball and then pair them up with, you know, a, a kind of a chalk Madison and be different. Like I'll be different than lineups that have Madison in it because most of the people that are going to play Madison are going to play him as a one-off or they're going to play him with just Ridley on the other side as like a one-one type of correlation. So like what, what are the Falcons figure? Because a lot, I think a lot of people are sour on Matt Ryan. Yeah. I mean, it definitely passes the differentiation eye test. Um, my concern with Atlanta is just, they don't have, at least in our, our, you know, projections as a Thursday don't have a super high likelihood of, you know, just blowing up the slate and, I mean, look, that, you know, the same could be said last week for Pitt, Philadelphia. So, you know, it's not like these things are uh, set in stone, but like we have them as a uh, less than 4% chance of scoring the most points on the slate. Um, so in that regard there, I think would be some concern that there's just not enough of a implied total to support um, a massive score. Um but I mean, it's mitigated by the fact that Zacchaeus is thirty-two hundred, and then Ridley's going to be ten percent owned and not eighteen percent owned or something. Yeah, like, no, I I get you. I I mean, it's I don't like clicking Matt Ryan's name either. So like uh, like I I get it completely. But uh, but Brandon, do you figure that uh, this game being popular is this like one of your top targets, or are you looking to avoid kind of the the chalk in this game? Um, I'll, I'll be on it some, um, I haven't seen the, the Julio news today, but I would, I would kind of expect him to be a favorite to play. Um, then what do you think of Julio? How, why not playing him when everyone doesn't want to play him? So I would, to me, like, I would think as of today, I would say Julio is likely to play. And so Zacchaeus is off the board and I would be willing to play him. Um, yeah, definitely. I'd be willing to play him, um, on Minnesota side, the Thielen has the characteristics of a guy that has 
relatively tight distributions for for a pay up running back. So he's he's not the guy. He has had the 40 40 point slate busting performance before, but he that's not what you expect from him. You think a good day is that he catches he catches 10 short passes and has one touchdown. Um so he's not ideal for the big field tournaments. You kind of want a guy with more firepower. Um, would that be Jefferson then? Yeah. So I would be more inclined to play Jefferson uh, in this in this game. And the the correlation with Thielen and Jefferson is negative 0.4, which is something to be concerned about. Um, however, I wouldn't be afraid to, to play cousins, Jefferson Thielen, and then you would be, you would be basically trying to overcome the negative 0.4 correlation and, and playing for, um, they get one more touchdown than expected. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like just blow it away with magnitude so that the correlation doesn't matter. Um, where you have whatever, if they score 37, 38 points, then the negative correlation doesn't matter because the magnitude of the yardage and the touchdowns is high enough that, uh, that both guys get there easily. Um, so I would play for that in some lineups, but in the one-offs, I would, I would much prefer um, <clears throat> Jefferson. Also, in the eye test, he just looks like an explosive guy. Well, in general, I mean, I, I mean, we're, we're talking about guys like Cousins and Ryan, which we classify as statue quarterbacks, right? They don't get, they don't really get their ceilings through their legs. These are guys that need to put up three hundred and three in order to kind of get get more of a ceiling score. But we also have a slate that is pretty much filled with them. Like Lamar's, I mean, obviously he only rushed two times last week. I don't know if that's going to continue. Uh, we got Watson. He'll get some rushing yards. Do we see this as a week? I mean, Brandon, this is more, this is more for you because I know that you don't necessarily always double stack. But because a lot of these quarterbacks uh, need to get there through yardage, are you more likely to double stack most of these stacks because of that? Or do you figure it's a week that it's possible that there's no one quarterback that puts up like a 40 point game that a single stack's fine. Cause like the top scoring quarterback may get 28 points. So the difference between 28 and 24 and 26 on a bunch of quarterbacks, like doesn't matter as much. I think the single stack is fine. It, it, it does make a big difference. Like if you're doing a thousand person or a 200,000 person tournament with a thousand person, you're more inclined to just single stack. And then, and then with the 200,000 where you have to hit it just perfect, you have to have like QB one, you have to, then maybe you do it uh, with the double stack. Um, yeah. Well, talking about a good single stack game, I think, uh, because it is the highest total on the game currently. It opened at 51 and a half. It's now been bet up to 55. It's Packers at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
Devontae Adams should be back. I mean, supposedly he was healthy last week and he was kind of pissed off that he wasn't playing. Uh, Tampa Bay, I just got the practice reports. It seems like they're at full strength. Evans was at practice. Godwin was at practice. Fournette was at practice. Like everyone seems to be practicing there. But I mean, I mean, the, the expense, I mean, talk about expensive. I mean, Rodgers, Adams, and then Jones, these are expensive players. Brady, Godwin, Evans is, is pretty expensive. You got a kind of a two-headed, you know, Fournette's back. So you got the backfield in Tampa Bay that, you know, who knows how that's going to go with Ronald Jones. Obviously the Packers, and we saw the last game, Jamal Williams was on the field almost as much as Aaron Jones. Uh, I don't find either of these teams to be that great for double stacking at their price, but like Stewart, as far as the, the high probability uh, for these teams, I'm assuming they're high uh, to be the highest scoring team on the slate, but like, I don't see a, a, a contrarian way to build this game without it being like Rogers, Adams, Godwin, like, or like some type, some type of like whoever stacks this game, it's maybe they throw an MVS. Maybe they throw in a Cameron Braid at tight end or something like that. But I just think that the, the target shares are condensed enough and the, the, the pieces are expensive enough that is this really, they may score the most points, but is, does the stack pay off? Yeah. I mean, it, it does seem like certainly on the green Bay side, I mean, there are, are pretty, you know, few options as far as, you know, where, where the fantasy points are going to be distributed through green Bay. Um, I don't know. Yeah. To me, to me, it, and, and it's an expensive, you know, game as well, relative to, uh, you know, expect likelihood of topping the slate, like green Bay is coming in at third, but really once you get past Detroit and Minnesota, there's like a bunch of, like a lot of bunching up around the, you know, five to 7% chance of topping the slate and, you know, green Bay and uh, Tampa Bay are actually, two of the more expensive teams with kind of Baltimore in that mix as well. Um, it, to me, it does feel like a bit more of like a pieces of this game, but not the stack uh, type game. I mean, like Adams and Jones to me are both really compelling uh, solo pieces. Uh, both of those Tampa Bay pass catchers are compelling, you know, pieces from that side and, uh, not really both in the same lineup, but um, well, would you consider in this game that those are like the most negatively correlated pieces that there are like Adams and Jones, as well as Godwin and Evans. So like that double stack or using two of them, just especially at their prices seems to be just completely out of the question. Yes. Yes. I'm saying, yeah, totally off the table in terms of pairing them in the same lineup. But I do think there is like this, uh, you know, matrix of like kind of two by two, really like two on the Tampa Bay side, Evans Godwin, two on the Green Bay side, uh, Jones Adams, where there's just good opportunity to not take the entire game or go like single stack, I guess. Um, but I, I think I prefer the route of not going with the quarterbacks from this game, but just using the skill players um, as part of a secondary cross game stack that, you know, you're using around um a more conventional like two one stack from from other games uh because i mean the total would suggest like there is you know plenty of kind of fantasy goodness into this game um it's just really expensive and there's a lot of negatively correlated pieces uh such that yeah i think it makes sense to take those individual pieces as kind of 
not so much one-offs, but I guess like a secondary stack among skill players or, you know, maybe go skinny stack. I think the skinny stack to me makes more sense from the Green Bay side with just Adams Rogers, keep it simple uh, than the Tampa Bay side. But I, I don't know. I, I would imagine that what, what are the ownership projections suggest on Rogers Adams? That seems to me like it could be pretty, pretty popular uh, play. Well, I mean, it's going to really depend on lineup construction. We have Adams currently at like 10%. Oh. We have Godwin. I mean, they're not going to be like high owned 10%, like somewhere in the 10% range. But Brandon, I'm assuming that this game may be more appealing single stack wise, like two plus one in smaller field contests where like you don't mind that. Like you could take uh, Rogers, Adams, Godwin, and they could all put up ceilings to win, you know, a 500 person, 1,000 person tournament. But like, do you think that they, at their prices, have the ceiling to win, you know, something that is more like a 200,000-person field? Yeah, I think this game could be could be interesting there for the for the really big field. Um, but would you have to play a secondary piece? Would you have to play an MVS? Would you have to do a double stack? Because I, I wouldn't want to play, like, Godwin and Evans together, so do you, like, throw in Gronk? Do you throw in Justin Watson if he's bad? Like, start with one of the cheap guys in order to get like a Brady 400 yard game four touchdowns like that to me, that's what I'm thinking of when it comes to large field, but like 303 is like good for small field. And then you just pretty much want the one guy that got the hundred yards and a touchdown or two, and you don't need the secondary guy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my take is why not on Godwin and Evans? Because the, Okay, why we, not have, take both? we we why have not the take correlation. Both? We have the cor- yeah. Why not take both? Like we have the correlation at negative two point negative point two one. Okay, and that's not ideal. But if you just think about how that went down, okay, last year I watched a lot of those games. Oh, you're on team. You're on team. Watch the tape. Uh oh. <laughs> Stewart and I were we're both strongly of the view that that the you have to you have to watch and understand the structure of things, not just not just do the data. You have to put the two together. And someone more knowledgeable about football might be able to tell me structurally why why you can't play Evans and Godwin together. But for me, watching those games, by chance, it came through that every week the winning lineup had either Evans or Godwin. That's just how it went last year, right? Like every week, not every single week, but most weeks, one of those guys put in a huge performance. And there was basically no predicting which one it was going to be week by week. It just, it went like that. So the result was the negative correlation, but watching those games, it just seemed to go that way. Like there was no structural reason why they couldn't both have a big game. It just kind of went that way. Um, So in this case, I wouldn't necessarily have the negative correlation fully turn me off. And again, um, might be willing to play it just playing just playing magnitudes like hoping that they have 
one touchdown above expectation. And, and then, um, yeah, so for me, uh, Brady, Godwin, and Evans seem fine. Maybe Brady is going to be a little bit uh, perturbed by his by his mistake on, on prime time, and uh, this, this is get right spot. And then on the Green Bay side, I think it's interesting because Tampa is number one against the run in the data, and then also eyeball test. Like they just look like a really good defense, um, and so you would think like attack by the pass. Um, because they're middling there. And um, it's complicated by the fact that Aaron Jones is sort of is sort of the dual threat running back, like the ultimate dual threat running back. And like he's you could see you could see him making it happen, just getting some some passes that he turns into stuff. Um, so yeah, I think uh I think it's an intriguing game. You definitely want to be involved. Okay, so before we talk about some of these other games, I just want to tell everyone out there about the FanDuel single entry series that we're hosting here at Roto-Grinders. Because it's back. It's back for this year. Week 6 through 13. So uh, you, they're all single entry contests at three different buy-in levels. $5, $33, $100. You can go in the FanDuel lobby right now and, and you, could, you could enter them. The top four combined scores count within each buy-in tier. So you don't have to play every week, but the top four, the four best weeks, those best scores, the top two finishers in each tier advance to a six-man $20,000 final that's put up by Roto-Grinders. So go to, go to FanDuel right now. Go to their lobby. And uh, and enter these are single entry contest flat payout structures so they're they're really good beneficial to the players and and join the FanDuel single entry series uh, so we let's go to our next uh, game that's on the board that figures I I think we may have like one piece in this game may be popular but uh, based on our current ownership projections uh, I, it depend really depends on injuries it's the the Lions and the Jaguars. Uh, this is uh, being played in Jacksonville, so not in the Dome. Uh, it's uh, It was opened at a 52.5 total. It's now up to a 54. Uh, injury status on the Jaguars, Chark and Chenault are questionable. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing Chark is leaning more towards doubtful, and Chenault is leaning more towards probable, but we're not going to know. Uh, Galladay figures to be one of the highest-owned wide receivers, in this game, because the, the the Lions have a twenty eight point five implied total, uh, Stafford is uh, still figures to be one of the more owned quarterbacks. But uh, obviously, the Lions have a, like a three headed monster running back situation. That feel free to predict who's going to be running the ball between Peterson, Johnson, and and Swift. And then you have the problem with the Jacksonville side. Uh, while James Robinson, you know, he's getting most of the backfield work. Uh, Jacksonville could throw the ball to like nine different guys. So like, even if you were going to stack the lions, like who do you run it back with? And if you stack the Jaguars, good luck to you. Cause you're going to have to pick the two guys that, uh, that, that get all the points. I think uh, this is much more appealing if shark is out. Cause then at least the pieces are cheaper. Uh, but Stuart, what, what do you see on uh, probability wise? I know, I know the lines have to be up there, but how, how well does, does the lines correlate with Jacksonville in which like 
I would want personally, I would think in terms of, well, why don't I just play James Robinson at 6,800? Cause he has been getting more work in the passing game and the lions are considered one of the worser type of run defenses that why can't I just, who cares about the receivers and just play, you know, Stafford, Galladay, Jones, Robinson. And why can't I do that three plus one? Yeah, that actually sounds pretty reasonable to me. I mean, Detroit, like you said, really bad against the run. And if I remember correctly from last year, they were uh, actually really ineffective against running backs in a passing role. Like they were kind of like Falcons light in a way that they uh, funneled a lot of passing volume to opposing running backs um, and allowed running backs to catch passes at a pretty efficient clip uh, last year. So I think that's an interesting approach. Um, Yeah. Like you said, I mean, Detroit is bubbling towards the top of likely teams to top the slate at an 8.9% chance. Uh, Their price tag, I think is really appealing to me. Like they are significantly cheaper than Minnesota uh, and green Bay, um, but then have, a pretty good shot of you know scoring the most points on the slate. Um, do you know, do Galladay and cor- Jones negatively correlate to one another? Yeah, they do, and it's um, I don't think it's like insanely strong, but point um, four five. Oh, okay, yeah. So that actually is very strong. Like that is maybe more so than Evans and Godwin. Like uh, unlikely to kind of. Uh, succeed in conjunction i think the guy when i was looking through it that seems like a decent fit he doesn't have positive correlation with either receiver but he has more or less neutral correlation as hawkinson um i'm not sure kind of what the popularity of hawkinson will be but you know if you're telling he's 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 expensive so i mean his ownership is going to be yeah we have him at eight percent currently projected owned i'm assuming hawkinson at 5300 at tight end is going to be more likely to appear in a stack than as a one-off. Yeah, sure. But but it but are you saying that if we play a three plus one, it would be better to do Stafford plus Galladay plus Hawk or Jones plus Hawkinson rather than yeah. Galladay and Jones in the wide receiver slots? Correct. Um, yeah, and that's I mean, I mean we talk about it, um, and I know you talk about it a lot, Jordan. Is just like with all these stacks, you know, it, there's no, if there was one stack, like there's never going to be a stack that checks all the boxes, right? There's never going to be a stack that, you know, is good value um, associated with that is probably high likelihood of, you know, breaking the slate, low ownership and exceptional correlation. Like those type of stacks really don't come around very often. Um, and when they come around, they're a million percent owned. Exactly. Right. So, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, like you kind of have to be willing to, uh, you know, secede one of those features and like a, a stack, like, you know, Hawkinson, Galladay, Stafford, um, or well, like just Hawkinson actually just focusing on Hawkinson. Like, yeah, he, I, I don't think he's really at a very good price point, but you know, you might have to be willing to accept kind of lower median value to gain access to, you know, more, uh, like more leverage. And um, I don't know, to me, the, the, the correlation properties of Hawkinson, even though I don't think he really projects great as a median value, you know, allow him to be, at least in my mind, a pretty reasonable fit as part of like a Stafford Galladay Hawkinson or Stafford Jones Hawkinson. Um, yeah. Figuring out the Jacksonville side and, and kind of the, this, this Detroit, uh, you know, Detroit side tends to correlate pretty well with um the opposition. So like I have an aggregate correlation of 
Stafford, Hawkinson, Galladay, correlation with opponent kind of cumulative offensive fantasy production at 0.19. So that's pretty decent. Like uh, it's kind of more correlative than Minnesota, less correlative than Green Bay or Tennessee. Uh, It's kind of, you know, middling. uh, Not so not good, not bad. Um, Yeah. The Jacksonville side, I think is going to be interesting and tough. I mean, James Robinson, I think, your hypothesis there with like, you know, just a good matchup and um, you know, him being probably the most projectable uh, in terms of his role makes sense. Um, I just like the ownership on Jacksonville because those receivers right now, like mm-hmm. we have Chenault at like 2% owned. We have yeah. healing Cole. Obviously they may gain some more popularity, not like absurd popularity. They'll still be single digit owned uh, when shark, if he gets ruled out. Cause then it'll be like, okay, there's one less mouth to feed, but, uh, but Brandon, I know you, you didn't mind playing Godwin and Evans together in the last game. Uh, it, do you mind playing Galladay and Jones together? Um, well here, I, I, I do think maybe the tight end pairing is more viable just because we have it, uh, like mod- modest, positive correlation, Galladay and Hawkinson. And uh, slightly negative correlation with Jones and Hawkinson, but since it is pretty strong between between Jones and Galladay, I think you're better off um, you're better off just doing the tight end pairing, especially that Galladay Hawkinson and um, and Hawkinson has the uh, the type of characteristics where he's not just like a fall in the end zone for one touchdown kind of guy; like he could have a big a big day. So um, he's, he's a good guy. Like he could easily be the tight end one. Um, so I, um, I think that's the better way to play it. And I, th- I think in this game, uh, Marvin Jones Jr. is one of the best leverage plays on the entire slate. He's Galladay. We have currently projected owned at over 20%. Marvin Jones, 6%. If most people are stacking Stafford, they're probably stacking him with Galladay. And with the negative car, the huge negative correlation between them playing Jones as a one-off, like if we've seen Marvin Jones have three or four touchdown games where like, he's the guy that goes off and he's the only guy that that disparity of ownership and his price at 5,100. Like, I think that's, that's a, a good opportunity to get exposure to the game and get extra relative value from your opponents. If Galladay does fail at 20 plus percent. Uh, another popular game. This is going to be a popular game. I'm not sure why. I, 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 okay. I get why. I think it's a lot of recency bias in this game. Uh, Texans Titans opened at 55. It's now at 53. I mean, it's a, it's a three and a half point spread. The Titans are, are favored by three and a half with a 28.25 team total. Texans 25.75. Uh, Watson will be one of the most owned quarterbacks on the slate. Uh, people will go back to Brandon Cooks at 5,000. Uh, will Fuller isn't really generating all that much ownership, but uh, Derrick Henry is going to be owned. A.J. Brown, especially, especially we want to see what happens with Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys. I know, I believe they were taken off the COVID list, but I'm we're not sure if they're going to play, but... 
AJ Brown, especially if they don't play, AJ Brown is still going to be owned at 5,600 on DraftKings, even if everyone's healthy. Derrick Henry is going to come in at double digit ownership. Uh, I don't, I don't understand the, the the popularity of this game with the pieces the way that they are. That, in comparison to what we've just talked about, because uh, you would go like Watson, Fuller, Cooks. Watson, Fuller, Aikens, I'm assuming he's back. Then you have the Tennessee. You Obviously, you shouldn't be playing Tannehill and Henry together. So you're either just playing Henry. But typically in Henry ceiling games, like the game doesn't get there. It's it's Henry. It's the, the clock's running. And I know he has a good price at 7,300, but it's hard for me to see playing a, a three plus one with Henry as the running back. I mean, I say that about like Jacobs also, like those workhorse type running backs where the game stack just doesn't get there. So like maybe Stuart, am I, am I, am I being a little bit crazy to say that this game may be a little over-owned? Um, well, so do you think most of the popularity will be on the Houston side? No, I no. Well, I think Watson will be popular. Okay. I think Henry will be popular and I think AJ Brown will be popular. Hmm. And then the, obviously the more, more popular a quarterback gets, that means that people want to stack with him. And more popular that one side of a game gets, they want to run back with them. So, like, it's a natural kind of correlation of ownership yeah. where, yeah. like, hey, if, tw- if 18% of people are playing Watson, it's not like Cooks and Fuller are sitting there at 3% owned. They have to be owned because people d- in GPPs aren't just playing naked quarterbacks usually. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not that interested in the Houston side. Uh, I-, I think the Tennessee side, like, to me, if, like, popular, like, that to me is the intriguing side. I mean, like, I mean, I, I have, you know, just like Tannehill Brown, Johnny Smith is a pretty reasonably priced stack for a team that, you know, is in the top, you know, five or six teams in terms of likelihood to score the most points on the slate. And I mean, they have really excellent correlation properties. The average correlation between those three guys um, is 0.3. Like that's very strong for, you know, a triangle of quarterback, receiver, quarterback, receiver, receiver, receiver. And they have really good correlation with uh, those three guys have good correlation with uh, opposing offenses. So to me, I don't know. I I hadn't really considered the Houston side that much. Um, Like, well, I mean, I'm even talking about the Titans side. So like, like Stuart, for instance, we could, we could both agree that the the passing and running games for the Titans are negatively correlated to one another, right? Sure, yeah. Okay. We have AJ Brown at 20% projected owned. We have Derrick Henry at about 20% projected owned. Most likely, the lineups that have AJ Brown don't have Derrick Henry. The lineups that have Derrick Henry don't have AJ Brown. So if each of them are 20% owned, that means there's 40% of the lineups have the one of the bigger pieces of the Titans on an 11 game slate that if the Titans don't get there either way through running or passing, I'm talking about ceiling wise, like you burned 40%. I mean, you, you burned 40% of the lineups in a contest. Like if it was one of those things where the both wide receivers were owned, like we've seen that with the Panthers, it's like, okay, but that's a stack. I get it. Cause if Robbie Anderson's owned, most likely that lineup may also have DJ Moore and Bridgewater. Okay. So it's still like they each are own 20%, but the overlap is only like 17% of the, you know, like combined, but I don't see Henry and Brown lineups coming together. So that's when I'm talking about over owned, 
with Watson being owned, Cooks being double digits. Like, like if this game fails, it's quite possible, especially in like large field GPPs, that half the lineups are burned. Yeah, so that's but how I view it. He's not likely to fail. I mean, Henry oh, oh, so oh, so you're doing Henry's it anyway. Smash. He's in a smash spot. Like, yeah, granted, he's not your big field GPP guy most weeks, but his price is pretty good. And, like, he's he's in a phenomenal spot. He's very likely to smash. So we're talking about A.J. Brown, you mean? No, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry. Yeah. Oh, okay. He has, well, one he of the, okay. Second worst run defense in the league. And Henry, it's one of the highest total Tennessee games of the year. Henry – what he looked fine on Tuesday, like everything, everything is go. Like he's probably going to smash. Yeah, but what would you stack with him? I mean, like I could see Derrick Henry as a one-off play, but would you play Watson, Cooks, Fuller type of thing on the other side of the game? No, I, I almost never do that. Okay, so they okay. So we got kind of. I'm thinking of the game as a whole, and then also Brandon. It's a seventy-three hundred dollar running back. I thought yeah, I thought you wanted you like the cheapo running back. The that's, vomit running backs. So pricey people. this week. It's that's not that's not so pricey this week. That's not nine thousand or ten thousand. Okay. Not. I mean, so better play like on FanDuel always, but hmm. I think he's even pricier over there. Stuart, you were going to say? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess like so. If AJ Brown is you know twenty percent, would it not? Yeah, I don't know. I guess I have no further. It's interesting that we're 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 all kind of having very differing views uh, on this game. Um, be interesting to see how it shakes out. Right, but I mean the style of play that I play is very leverage heavy stuff. So I take a look and I go, like it's not because this. I don't. I, I see the ownership of this game, but it's like not stack related. Like you're either playing one side of the game or the other side of the game or the running game. And then I'm just thinking in my head, what happens if a meteor hits this game? Like okay, I have 10 other games to choose from now and half the lineups are dead. So like, that's that's how I view playing, because of, of course I'm playing large field tournaments. So that's how I view it of, because t- typically I would find leverage the opposite way. It would be the type of thing where Tannehill and Brown was owned and Henry was under owned or Henry was mega owned and the passing game is unowned. And I'd be like, well, if that's going to be chalk. I'm going to play the same team just in a different route. But both sides are popular and like I just view it as like I, yeah I could play Henry as a one-off that's right I could play AJ Brown as a one-off but this like stack combination just like half the lineups are going to have a Titans or or a or a Texans player in an 11 game slate and like I'd rather just I'll take advantage of the time it fails even though I admit Brandon it's a smash spot so it's a high probability spot but I'm playing for the the times that it doesn't work out all right, next game. Okay, here's a game that I don't get. It's one of Stuart. We have a, we have one of our famous uh, the I don't get games because we had it with the what the Titans Vikings game a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah. Where I look at the total and go, why is it this high? Brown Steelers, fifty one total. When I think of Brown Steelers, I think of forty four total. Okay, uh, I look at like what Kareem Hunt, OBJ. We have to see what the status of Deontay Johnson is. He's actually pretty cheap, 4,900. You know, the flavor of the week, Chase Claypool is still out there. James Conner's 7,100. Eh, like, can, can you, uh, based on your, your the stack probability, the, the top team probability, like, 
Am I just nuts to think like it's a 51 total game and like why? Uh, no, man, I think that makes sense. Cle- Cleveland wasn't kind of registering in uh, I like we have them at three per 3.2 percent chance of talking the slate. Pittsburgh slightly better at 6.3, but um, yeah, it does does seem a little odd, I guess. Um, I mean, historically, Pittsburgh's like offense and you know their uh, their coordinator down there, Fitchner, has been like really good from kind of a air yards aired out perspective, but um, I don't know feels like this team's a little different this year and Roethlisberger's aging a good bit. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a game I hadn't considered super strongly. Um, but we have to, at a 51 total, we always talk about these high total games and I'm like, do I want to, pl-? I look at this game and I go, okay, Ben Roethlisberger, Deontay Johnson, and what Juju's too expensive. I mean, like, how do I stack that? Ebron, and then on the other side, okay, I can run it back with OBJ. Or then let's say I play Kareem Hunt, but I'm like, do I want to play a running back against the Steelers defense? Not real. I mean, I, not at mid six Ks. I mean, I guess I could. So it's like I just look at this game and go, like, I don't. I'm not sure how I would stack it. And then also, like, even as the one offs, I'm not all that. That Deontay Johnson at 4,900, if he's healthy, like, okay, I could see playing that. But it's one of those things where no one's going to stack. It's a 51 total, and the ownership on this game is is virtually, like, single digit. Brandon, do you see anything in this game that that would appeal to you that says that uh, even with a 51 total, that this is the game that you're going to need in GPPs? Um. I think it's more like one-offs. I'm interested in uh, some one-offs. I think that James Conner could have a big day. So it could happen. It's not like super, super likely, but I, I do, I do like him as a one-off. Um, and um Ride the motivated o- Odell. I, I, I don't mind. Kareem Hunt, eh, probably won't have too much Kareem Hunt. But You're not going to go back to Claypool? Do you think he's going to be over-owned? I don't well, know. Let's, okay, let's say if, 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 if Deontay Johnson is out, is Claypool a play at 5,200? Um, Sorry, go ahead, Brandon. Uh, Stuart, you tackle that one. Sure. Well, I mean, you've really, I think for me, Jordan made a really salient point in recent weeks that like, we can't overreact to how players perform in like relief duty following an injury. I mean, I I think my, you know, I see these kind of large volume shares for, you know, players that are having an ascendant role because of an injury. And then kind of that first week in a full game planned, you know, game, they kind of fail. I mean, we saw it with Zacchaeus last week, uh, you know, Drew Sample, I think we've talked about on the show. I mean, there's right. just Hamler also for the Broncos. There's just so many guys this year who uh, have like had a, a solid game and kind of relief duty. And then, uh, you know, they come in the next game where their team has a full game plan and, you know, they're invisible or just their role is clearly reduced. And like, I don't know. Claypool certainly has looked the part from just a like efficiency standpoint uh, so far this year, but um, 
Yeah, I mean, you have to wonder. I mean, Deontay Johnson's been kind of a target hog. Like, how many of those kind of plays that were dialed up for Claypool last week were, you know, that are, are plays that, like, obviously, if Johnson plays, are going to be plays for Johnson, or if Johnson's deemed out early in the week, are going to be, you know, schemed away from Johnson Claypool and schemed towards, you know, Ebron or Juju, who, I, I mean, I agree is extremely, you know, overpriced or, you know, Connor or something like that. Um, I don't know, something to be wary of. I, I haven't, you know, followed the Steelers and kind of the dynamics of that team super closely, but uh, it is kind of a fallacy that I have fallen into at times this year. And I know multiple times on the show, you've kind of pointed out that, um, you know, players succeeding in relief duty doesn't necessitate that they're going to have, you know, that same role in future weeks when, you know, a team has a full week to game plan. So I don't know, I might be a little wary of that. And like Claypool was priced up a decent bit. You know, I think the thing with Zacchaeus last week was that his price didn't move. Um, you know, Claypool's priced up a good bit this week. And uh, I don't know, I don't have a super strong opinion on kind of what his ownership would be, but if it's... Right, we, we have him currently projected as a 7%, which if Johnson's, and, and this is, let me just make sure. Uh, if Johnson's is, out, that would probably go up. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no. This is this is without Johnson in. Oh, so really? Without Johnson in at seven percent at fifty two hundred. I'm hmm. assuming Johnson at forty nine hundred. Brandon, I mean, if if you have to, if you if it goes back to the way that it was, assuming that Deontay Johnson could stay on the field, you'd have to consider him at forty nine hundred in a game with a fifty one total and the Steelers with a. Uh, twenty seven point two five implied total to be a reasonable like in the four K range, like why wouldn't you play him? Yeah, I think so. I look, I think this is a game for uh, for sprinkles. You pick your pick your spots, and I think that's certainly a fine one with good upside. Can can we, can, can we trademark that? Is that is that your is that a technical term? A sprin- game for sprinkles? Yeah, yeah. You you can adopt it if you want. Uh, I don't, I don't want to take someone. You, and you can adopt you can vomit stacks if you want. But apparently, you don't like playing vomit stacks. You like playing the most expensive receivers together. Uh, I don't. <laughs> okay, so we have a whole bunch of games that are under 50. Uh, are there any ones that stand out to you that we should be looking at from uh, a top probability perspective? Because I think one of – I think there, the Dolphins – Brian Fitzpatrick is going to be one of the highest owned quarterbacks on the slate. I'm going to be so to... I'm going to be so mad if Gaskin is high owned because Oh no, uh, we'll get Stuart into I, that. Stuart and I both have been high on Gaskin and and I I watched the Miami games. I live in Miami and um No, no, I'm with you. We're all three going to be on really Gaskin good. and it's going to be frustrating if it's a if it's a popular play. No, I don't think Gaskin's going to be as popular. I think the passing game. Ryan Fitzpatrick figures to be possibly the most owned quarterback on the slate. His natural stacking partner is Parker. Secondary stacking partner would be Williams or Gazicki. Which, if that is the popular three-man stack, it's going to naturally decline the ownership of Gaskin. And me personally, like if this stack's going to be popular, I'm going to go over. I'm, I'm, I'm with you guys. Like. Uh, especially when we have, like, if we take a look at the running backs on this slate, we'll have a very chalky David Montgomery at 5,800 against a horrible Carolina Panthers rushing game, a rushing attack. Uh, Madison, assuming that Cook's out, 
He's going to be chalk. Mike Davis at 7K is obviously underpriced. He's going to be chalky at running back. Derrick Henry is going to get 20% of the ownership there. And we have, we have Miles Gaskin currently projected at 14% owned. But I think the difference between like Gaskin and Montgomery, like is not Gaskin against the Jets versus Montgomery at the Panthers, I think is, I know you could say that the Jets have a better run defense, but Gaskin catches like five to six passes out of the backfield. And if Howard is inactive again, Gaskin's going to see pretty much all of the goal line work in a game where they have like, they have a, their four touchdown implied total. Like I want to see Fitz and Parker be high owned because I want to play a ton of Gaskin, but, but Stuart, what, what is this one is the dolphins up there as far as top stack probability. Yeah. I mean, so like similarly, how we're talking about, I forget which team, maybe Detroit, how, you know, they check some boxes, but not all like, Miami checks the likelihood of topping the slate box 7.4%. That's uh, fourth on the slate as of, I think, updates I made this morning. The combination of Fitzpatrick, Gesicki, Parker is pretty reasonably priced at 17.7K. You know, that is going to be cheaper than like, you know, pretty much majority of Green Bay, Minnesota, um, you know, even like Tampa stacks. And those three guys have really good correlation. The average correlation between those three parts is 0.67. I mean, that that's insane. That's probably the highest, um, like, kind of triangular stack correlation on the slate, uh, at least of these teams that are kind of relevant from a total standpoint. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it checks those boxes. But, if yeah, if you say that it's going to be, like, Fitzpatrick is going to be the most owned quarterback, you know, that is – one component in which the stack kind of has flaws. Um, I think, you know, I mean, it's, I think the ultimate question is always like, which of these components are most important and, and, you know, which, um, which do we as players feel most comfortable leaning on? I think Miami checks the box in terms of a performance and kind of correlation standpoint, but, you know, as you suggested, might, might fail in terms of ownership, um and also who do you run it back with they're playing the jets yeah pay 6k for crowder as a run back in that stack jeff smith i mean he got a ton of targets and did nothing with them but perriman may be back so who knows i mean we're talking we're literally we're talking about the jets so like well i mean i I, that's why i view this game is like i want that stack to be high owned i don't have to worry about a run back and i just play miles gaskin and hopefully he gets 25 plus points Right, Brandon, you're on the Gaskin bandwagon, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Okay, finally, we agree on something. Okay. Uh, vomit running back, we agree on. So no, it's not vomit. Not vomit. Gaskin's a good running back. Oh, but he's cheap. cheap. Vomit just means cheap. That's all. Oh, okay. That's all it means. It's it's nothing personal. You could be you could be good vomit. So so is is this more of a Gaskin and bust? Like, not, did, are we taking jet sprinkles as a run back? Uh, I don't know. There's not too many compelling pieces. I mean, Jeff Smith's 3000. Why not? He got like about 11 targets last week. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the return of Perriman. I mean, what he played like every single snap, uh, last time he played a full game. Uh, why don't we take Perriman then? Yeah. Could be a decent option. Uh, I don't know. But, but have you ever needed, but the, the question comes in is that, uh, has, has a Jets player been needed on a slate, <laughs> like it rarely happens. <laughs> about, I think, in consecutive weeks on the show, how Fitzpatrick like 
doesn't really Fitzpatrick's ceiling games aren't necessarily correlated with exceptional performances by the offense. And I mean, God, no team has let down as a return piece of like a game stack from the Jets. So like, I don't know if you are thinking about stacking the game and eating the ownership, you know, maybe, uh, maybe thinking about not bringing it back with the jet side, uh, I think could also be viable. So Brandon, uh, are there any other games that are under uh, a 50 point total that uh, you have your eye on? Let me scroll real quick. Um, so we have Bengals Colts in the dome. I mean, the low, we have giants Washington, but that's a 42 total. I think the Broncos Patriots game is a, I don't see what you do in that game. Uh, I think uh, uh, the the Bears Panthers. I mean, you get some Robbie Anderson ownership. You'll get Mike Davis and Allen Robinson, kind of like a one-one type of combination there. But like, yeah, I, as always, you've got um, Baltimore. Uh, do, do you believe that that Lamar's not rushing anymore? Like he's injured, or like, because his ownership's going to come down. People are on board with why is Lamar priced this much if he's going to only rush twice. Uh, do you th- I mean, I'm willing, I mean, obviously, because I'm playing 100 lineups, so, like, I could burn five of them on maybe Lamar, maybe, maybe, I mean, he's, if he's going to come in, I mean, I'm going to check right now. Our current ownership projections have him at, at 8%. I mean, at 7,700, if this was last year, you'd jam him in at 8% ownership. I mean, because he would normally be, like, 8,200 and still be 17% owned. Uh, he has natural stacking partners with uh, Brown and Andrews. Uh, do you do you, do you believe that Lamar still has the rushing floor, even though he really they have not shown it this year? Um, well, uh, whenever you have cheap pieces on the on the slate, you want to consider um, Lamar Andrews Brown. Um, because those pieces do correlate very well and they just have great characteristics for tournaments because, um, Lamar has a reasonable probability of being QB one in any given week. He also has historically, um, he has a possibility of like substantially outpacing all other QBs. So being QB one by a lot, I don't know what you call that. It's like, it's like, I don't know, a a Dustin or a Rory where they, they win and they can win by a lot. It's they, he could, he can be, he could could legitimately have a 300 yard passing game and a 100 yard rushing game. And so it's nice that he correlates well with, um, with Andrews and Brown because, because Andrews um, he's usually the highest price tight end or close to it. And he also has a reasonable, uh, a reasonable probability of being the tight end one. Um, So you hit the right week and you have the QB one and the tight end one, which is super valuable. And then kind of what you're going for is, is Brown to, to have that one flash play and a couple other things going. So you want Brown to post 25 and then you have the tight end one and the QB one. It's, it's super, it's super valuable as a combo. And, and 
And, and so I think you always want to consider it whenever the, whenever the low price uh, pieces elsewhere are reasonable and they are reasonable this week. Uh, then what do you do on the other side? Cause the Eagles, you don't have to, that's the beauty of it. Like really it's, you're playing the correlation. The fact that all of those guys um, can put up big points. And in, in particular, you're playing to win the QB one and, and, and tight end position. Um, and it, you don't need a run back. All- because they, because they, um, we've seen RG three in the fourth quarter of games. So like, I know there are some people out there that are like, how do we not have a Ravens run back? Because if they put up, you know, four, if they have a four touchdown lead, like they put on the brakes, but I mean, but like you said, uh, and I mentioned earlier before, Lamar has a ceiling. I mean, we don't have Kyle Mar- Kyler Murray on the slate. We don't have, you know, Dak on the slate. We don't have Mahomes on the slate. We don't have a lot of like the higher ceiling quarterbacks on the slate that Lamar historically in comparison to these statue quarterbacks, like could outscore them by 20 points. And then we also have a slate where the tight end position is horrible. No Kittle, no Kelsey, no Waller. That Andrews, Andrews is the top tight end. So you do make, you know, the perfect point that if you get a, even if you get a Lamar 70 yard rushing game with uh, two passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown, and 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 he could put up he could put up thirty four points and be ten points clear of all the other quarterbacks. Andrews could be ten points clear of all the other tight ends. And then does it matter that you have uh, you know the eighteen point guy from the Eagles? And especially for a team like the Eagles uh, with the, their injuries and how many players they have run in Hightower, Fulgham, Ertz. Uh, I mean they've so many pieces. Who are you going to choose that? Maybe there's no one on the Eagles that even puts up a ceiling anyway, even if the Eagles do stay competitive in that game. Yeah, yeah, you don't need the run back. So, Stuart, how do the how do the Ravens stack up in the top probability? Yeah, I mean, so they're they're up there actually, just behind Miami. Um, and like Brandon said, correlation properties are excellent for Baltimore, uh, particularly those three guys: Brown, Andrews, Jackson. Yeah, they're just expensive, but um, like you said, you know that that might be kind of the trade-off you have to be willing to make because uh, yeah, you would expect them to be quite low owned. I mean, they were low owned last week with a much higher total, um, and you know Lamar kind of put up a dud. Uh, you know, this week I, I would expect it to come down even more. And um, you know, are there, are there are there any other games that we didn't mention that are in that like middling range that just you know, just don't appear to be in a good spot, but at least are somewhat equitable to, you know, like a Dolphins, you know, that, that like five to 6% range. In Indianapolis, um, we're projecting. Oh, Philip Rivers. Oh God. <laughs> like that's the thing. And, you know, they have a decent total, but uh, you know, the pieces there are not super competitive. Rivers Hilton. It's like the old dust team. Yeah. Right. Um, Trey Burton, I think is an interesting, like, you know, one, but it's like, you know, I wouldn't consider stacking up this game, but like Trey Burton has seen uh, since returning a a pretty good target share, um, you know, could be an interesting kind of solo piece uh, from, from that game. But uh, no, this is the vomit. This is the vomit stack, Stuart. We finally got to it. Rivers Hilton's 5,000 Burton's 3,100. The run back is T Higgins at 4,700. 
There you go. There's the vomit. See, the problem is I want to play the cheap running back. So like, why am I playing a vomit stack? That's, that's the problem. Like, I, do I want, if I'm playing Henry Davis and Devonte Adams, maybe, maybe the, they're playing in the dome. Cardi loves the dome. So uh, I may go with the, you know, the, typically the blitz over projects domes. So maybe, maybe I burn a couple of lineups and hopefully dusty rivers and dusty Hilton get there. Seems unlikely, but it's not, it's not. Uh... I, I love your face. Your face is like, okay, that's your money. You can <laughs> feel free to feel free to do it. If you want, if you want to burn uh, a five, $3 play action, uh, 15 bucks would be much better off spent at like Panera bread. Uh, no, it does seem like every week there are a few of these teams, like the Colts are one, the 49ers and the Patriots, uh, you know, another team that are kind of in there. It's just like their totals are always pretty decent, but it's just, you, you don't have a ton of conviction in the plays that would get you there from a stacking standpoint. Um, Zach Pascal isn't considered a sprinkle. I can't sprinkle Zach Pascal. You could, I mean, um, I don't know. Mixon, I think could be worth a sprinkle. We, I had a put something up from our Twitter account. Like I've always been kind of anti Mixon in a game that you figure the Bengals are unlikely to be competitive in, but last week, I mean, they were down, you know, three scores for three quarters and Mixon actually had a season high in targets was on the field uh, relative to Gio Bernard, like way more than he has been in previous games like I think usually a, a losing script would just totally sink Mixon but not sure if it was just uh you know one game sample noise but uh you know Mixon has seemed to enter a a little bit more of a prominent passing role than he has occupied uh really to date so um you know could, could be an interesting kind of single piece uh but um yeah, no, I think I think we covered kind of the core games that, that we would want to focus on. Okay, so Brandon, any any further notes on, on this slate before we get out of here? No, that's that's about it. Um, you could take your chances on like uh, Nikhil Harry at New England. The, the New England maybe puts up some points, but um, yeah. So that's a sprinkle. So that's a sprinkle game, also. Yeah, sprinkle. sprinkle. Okay, that's a sprinkle game. Okay. We have our vomit stacks or sprinkle games and our high total games and, 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 and avoiding the negative correlations unless, unless you say that we, it doesn't matter because the magnet they'll score a million points. It doesn't matter anymore. Right. That's so it. Stuart, uh, uh, the latest at uh, advanced sports analytics, any new tools, any new uh, things that uh, people should know about? Uh, yeah, not really. We, we just updated. We had like a free access raw data, um, like download tool that people could use. And we have that for really the, the, the four major sports that we had not uh, refreshed to date this year. So we actually just put that up. Um, so, you know, most of our stuff is paywall, but if you are interested in, um, you know, using the same raw data that, that we use uh, for our tools and stuff, you can access that uh, in the NFL drop down menu and, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's cool. Just like, it seems like across the industry, there just seems to be a lot more interest in working with data and, you know, modeling and visualizing data. Um, so if, you know, there's anyone who is interested in like getting their hands dirty with raw data and developing, you know, some, some work of their own and has, you know, questions about, uh, you know, how to get started on some stuff like that, you know, email uh, 
our, our website email is a pretty good place to reach us and are happy to engage a little bit with some people who are interested in kind of doing some of the programming themselves. Uh, so that is something that's free that people could check out. Um, they are interested in some of the tools that, you know, we are using to discuss some of the data points for this show. Um, you know, we have single week and single month uh, subscriptions. So uh, you know, feel free to check that, those out. And that's at advancedsportsanalytics.com. And you can check out a core four premium Roto-Grinder subscription, rotogrinders.com slash media slash ASA. That link in the description gets you $5 off your first month. Core four sports, NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, lineup HQ access. That, that, I mean, I use lineup HQ it has all the information here, ownership, projections, build your lineups, build 100 large field lineups. I'll build all my vomit stacks. I'll add all my sprinkles. I'll get it all in. And hopefully, uh, you know, I get to the top of the $3 and, and a million person field contest where, uh, where are you gonna, you're going to you need to find the Travis Fulgham of the slate. Uh, but you can get that rotogrinders.com slash media slash ASA. The link is in the description. So, for Stuart Gibson, for Brandon Adams, for, for gracing, gracing the presence with us this week. Uh, if, I can't, if I don't win contests this week, I hope it's one of you guys. And if it couldn't be the three of us, I hope it's one of, the, one of you guys out there that are listening or viewing to the show. So for I'm Jordan Cooper, and this has been the Advanced Sports Analytics Show on rotogrinders.com. 